Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello, welcome back everyone. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. And everyone, Sarah has big boss bitch energy today. <laughs> and I am thrilled by it. She was just telling me a story and I was cheering. And I I just have a feeling this is going to be a great episode right from that energy. <laughs> It's true. My energy is at that place. I was telling Katie, so last week and you guys kind of heard it in my voice. I was a bit croaky, was not feeling good. It was a week from hell. Like I was sick. Greg was sick. Rory was sick, which meant he couldn't go to nursery. So we were working from home, being sick with a toddler. It was not great, guys, like Mm -mm. stress to the limit. And then I think this week I'm just like, I'm in a no bullshit mood. So I'm just, I'm not having it, you guys. I'm not having it. Feeling confident, having really great, clear communication mm-hmm. when it needs to happen. And I'm feeling good about it. Setting those yes, doing all the work. Yes. And let's set, send out all that energy to all the listeners so you all can have that boss bitch energy and yes. go, go do whatever you got to do, you know? Boss bitch energy. That is where we're at today. We're going to do it. We're going to give well, those vibes all day. <laughs> well, Sarah, before we we get into the topic, I have a question for you. <laughs> Uh-oh. It always <laughs> makes me nervous when Katie asks me a question that I'm not prepared for. I love surprising you <laughs> without <laughs> knowing it. To talk about being a bitch. Anyway. <laughs> um. So I I saw this on the internet. I can't remember where, but I wanted to ask you, okay, pretend like you're going on a vacation for 10 days. I know it sounds dreamy, right? Yeah. How how many pairs of underwear are you packing for a 10 day vacation? Um, 15. You know what? I think I would do the same unless, unless there's a washer and dryer. And then I would, I would pack like five and do laundry. Yeah. Yeah. I would still probably do 10 because I'm that person. Yeah. Because I think like, A, it's me. What theme is across all of the episodes? Poo. I probably would shit myself. So when you think about, I have to get rid of one pair of underwear at least. Then it's like, what if your period comes? You might have another one ruined. I don't know. I think about these things. So yeah, if I don't have a washing machine, then definitely 15 to have a few spare. Because also you might have swamp crotch. That means oh like, yeah, especially if it's, if it's hot and humid, yeah. you're gonna want to yeah change definitely. So, um, yeah, why? Okay, so mean? now, so now, oh, how many? If you were still Mormon, how many pairs would you pack? So this would be garments. Would you oh still God. fill it up with like 15 pairs of garments? Like fill a whole fucking suitcase? I was going to say, that's your entire fucking suitcase. That You would have no, and I'm not even exaggerating, guys. Like listeners, you know, you know. Like yeah. you know if you wore garments, that would be an entire suitcase. No, because here's the thing is that when I was wearing garments, I like refused to spend a lot of money on those. Plus you had to go to the temple at the time when I was a Mormon, at least in Germany. Like you had to go to the temple store to get your garments. Mm-hmm. And that trip only happened every now and then. And when it happened, like, I was like, okay, I'm broke. I don't have enough money to buy, like, 50 euros worth of garments. I was going to say so, buying 15 pairs of garments <laughs> would be expensive, it's right? So expensive. I'm pretty sure I only ever own maybe max 10. Mm-hmm. I, 
I, I know not more than 10, but I'm questioning if I even had 10. So you would have had to just pack the 10 and then hope you don't shit yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I told that story when we were in, when I went to Paris. I was wearing garments, and it was so hot, and I had major swap crotch, and we didn't have a washing machine, and I didn't have many packs, so I just had to, like, wash that shit in the sink and air it out to dry and hope that, like, they were dry in time for the next day. <laughs> Did anyone see them airing out to dry? <laughs> probably. It's probably, like, Parisians were like, what the Like, fuck? what is that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway, okay, that's that was just my little opening because I, I heard, I saw that on the internet somewhere, and then I was like, oh, but imagine being Mormon and having to pack so many. How many suitcases are you going to have to bring? <laughs> wow. I mean, it's kind of a good segue into the topic because it's also like imagine when you're a mom having to do all the laundry, oh. but usually in a Mormon household, it's on the mom. Yeah. You got to do garments, yours plus your husband's plus your kids' clothes. That laundry must be insane. Just constant laundry, it, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure your laundry load has gone up a God. lot since having Rory. God, it's every day we do laundry and it's wild. And in the UK, like a dryer is not really a thing. So oh. people use like clothes horses, like they, they dry on either outside, but in the winter or on a clothes horse inside. And <clears throat> sorry, I have a tickle in my throat. Um, The house we're in now does have a dryer, but it's one of those. I never experienced it in time to Europe because I had an apartment in Berlin too, where it's like, it's, you have to empty the water tray. So it's not like an actual dryer. It somehow like gets the water out of clothes and then you have to empty the water oh. tray. Huh. I don't know. Greg is probably like rolling his eyes as he's in the next room being like, <laughs> oh my God, she's not explaining that very well. But it's not like an American dryer. It's like a, it takes the water out and you empty the tray every time you use the dryer and it's not as good. Like it's not as good as a dryer in the U.S. Does it get the clothes completely dry or just no, kind of it, dry? It can do, but it'll take a really long time and you can't pack it that much in there. Like, yeah, oh. just a little bit. Oh. But all that to say, it takes us ages to do uh, clothes. Yeah. Because Rory has like two outfits a day because he's so messy at nursery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I can't imagine being a Mormon mother and doing that for mm-hmm. your multiple children. Plus your garments. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. So that's our topic today. Laundry. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. So it's a topic. So we got this request from a listener and um, I think patron, I could be wrong. Don't hate me. I know you were in the past. Um, I think you still are. Um, but I don't know how to pronounce your name. So I'm just going to admit it on the podcast because you've told me a thousand times and I can't ever remember Grana <laughs> Grain Grana I don't know please Grania oh yeah so sorry so We're sorry it. send us a message after be like listen bitches I've told you three times how to pronounce my name this is how you pronounce it it's g-r-a-i-n-n-e okay there we go there we go um you sent in a really lovely message about a topic request which I think is something that's been on my mind a lot is about parenting, um, especially since leaving the church. And I know we've kind of talked about it, especially right after I had Rory, like the differences and 
like being a parent now as a an ex-Mormon versus, you know, how I thought my life would be as a parent as a Mormon. Um, but I think the longer time goes on from being outside of the church, but also as being a mom and the different phases, especially now, like Rory is very interactive. He's communicating a lot. He's like a little sponge. He just like soaks up everything. And so he like mimics you. He imitates. It's the sweetest thing. But he's also really teachable. And it kind of it hit me the other day, like, if I were Mormon, this would be the time that I would say, hey, let's start like praying because he can mm-hmm. do stuff like that. So he would, you know, I would start teaching him to pray before bed. I would start teaching like all those things that I'm like, that's wild that there was a point in my life where that would have been the priority for me. Like that mm-hmm. would have been the biggest thing that I would teach my kid. And now the thing that I teach my kid is to be himself, even though he's only like 16 months, I'm still very much like, yes, baby, be you, like do you and let's read stories. Let's, you know, that kind of thing instead of it being, oh, let's read the Book of Mormon or teach you how to pray. Right, right. And take him to church (laughs) every Sunday and teaching him all of these these different things that now you know are fake and or harmful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I basically just Googled parenting in the Mormon church. Okay. And then okay. lots of articles came up and the one that I picked that I was like, okay, I want to talk about some of this stuff is from November, 2009. And it's from elder Bednar. <laughs> I don't know why I did that with Bednar. Um, <laughs> And normally you would say the full name. That was also strange. So Elder David A. Bednar, um, who is, for those of you who are never most and not up to speed, he is, I think he's still Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, or is he? Yeah, he is. Okay, yeah. So he's still Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. So he's not a prophet. He's not in the First Presidency, but he's in the Quorum of the Twelve. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the name of his talk is More Diligent and Concerned at Home. Okay. Diligent. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, guys. I still have a bit of a cough, so you're going to have to just listen to me cough every now and then. Um, So he starts off by saying that there's a specific phrase from a revelation that provides the theme of my message, quote, more diligent and concerned at home, which is in DNC 93. The doctrine and covenants. Yes. Doctrine and covenants. He goes, I want to suggest three ways, three ways each of us can become more diligent and concerned in our homes. I invite you to listen both with ears that hear and with hearts that feel. And I pray for the spirit of the Lord to be with us all. that's that's how we're starting off and so he has he breaks it down into three suggestions the first suggestion to be fair i think is actually quite valid it's suggestion one express love and show it which i think is a really good thing of course like on board yes yeah it's he's saying you know at home you should be telling people we love that we love them such expressions do not need to be flowery or lengthy we should be sincere and frequent in our expression of love, which I think that that's quite great. Yes. <laughs> then it kind of turns to brethren and sisters. When was the last time you took your eternal companion in your arms and said, I love you? 
Like, okay, this sentiment is there, right? But when you add in the words brethren and sisters and eternal companion, it gets so cringy. It's like, oh, we just turned a very weird corner here. Can't you just say, when was the last time you hugged your spouse? (laughs) Exactly. That's all you have to say or your partner and nothing else. But of course they can't just say that because then it wouldn't be the Mormon church, would it? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And then they say, which again, I actually agree with this one. So President Thomas S. Monson counseled in 2008, November 2008, quote, often we assume that the people around us must know how much we love them, but we should never assume we should never let we should always let them know. We will never regret the kind words spoken or or the affection shown. Rather, our regrets will come as such things are omitted from our relationships with those who find the mean, who mean the most to us. Sorry. This is one of the nicer, maybe one of the nicest uh, talks, at least up to this point. Up to this point. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It's totally like, and I, when I first read it, I was like, oh, I actually really agree with the first section. I mean, yeah, when they use eternal companion, I was barf, you know, (laughs) Um, but uh, I actually remember this talk. I remember Monson's, not this talk in particular, but that quote from Monson, mm-hmm. because I thought, and I still do think it is, and I can't believe I'm ever saying this, but I agree with, I, I really actually like that quote in that it's something I've always kept in my head of that. If I think something nice to just say it, like yeah. instead of yeah. keeping it to myself. And I, it's something that call me cheesy and obnoxious. And in the UK, they'd call me very British, or sorry, very American, but I just think it's nice. I, I want people to tell me. So I always think that like if I see or think something nice, I'm like, well, let me just say it. Why not? Well, Yeah, because instead of just assuming that that person knows what you're thinking, they probably don't. Or yeah. maybe, maybe they do, but it's still nice to say it. Exactly. Yeah. And if you're an anxious person like me, like who has anxiety, like you might be thinking that person thinks you hate them or thinks your <laughs> hair is awful or your outfit's stupid. So it's nice when someone's like, oh, your hair looks good. And you're like, oh, I needed to hear that. Yeah. I, you know, when you get compliments from strangers, how it makes you feel so good. I haven't been the best at giving strangers compliments until recently, because now when I see someone that looks really nice or they're wearing something I really like, I'll I'll tell them because I know how good it makes me feel. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I love it. Um, okay. And, and then actually this point, again, I was like a bit baffled. You guys, it will turn. I promise. We'll go back to our Mormon bashing. It always turns. It always turns. (laughs) But this part I thought was quite interesting too, because he goes, sometimes in a sacrament meeting talk or testimony, we hear a statement like this. I know I do not tell my spouse often enough how much I love her today. I want her, my children and all of you to know that I love her. Such an expression of love may be appropriate, but when I hear a statement like this, I squirm and I silently exclaim that the spouse and children should not be hearing this apparently rare and private communication in public at church. Hopefully the children love, sorry, hopefully the children hear love expressed and see love demonstrated between their parents and the regular routine of daily living. If, however, the public statement of love at church is a bit surprising to the spouse or the children, then indeed there is more need to be diligent and concerned at home. Yeah. Which I was like, 
Okay, I agree with that, and that is shocking to me. Yes, so. it makes me feel kind of sad for the, because uh, you know there are families in the Mormon church that don't show that much love to each other, and yeah. I could imagine being in the in the crowd and being like, oh yeah, my parents don't tell me that they love me, which is really sad it is if sad. that's the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. agreed. <clears throat> um, <coughs> so, so far... It's fine. Then he gets to suggestion number two. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Bear testimony and live it. Oh, so. boy, sir, you could have stopped and it would have been great. <laughs> and it, it would have been one of the only talks that I'm like, I approve of right. this. And right. I feel okay about it. But no. So <laughs> he goes, we can also become more diligent and concerned at home by bearing testimony to those whom we love about the things we know to be true by the witness of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> the bearing of testimony need not be lengthy or eloquent, and we do not need to wait until the first Sunday of the month to declare our witness of things that are true. Within the walls of our own homes, we can and should bear pure testimony of the divinity and reality of the Father and the Son of the great plan of happiness and of restoration. Oh, imagine how obnoxious yeah. you have a relative or a sibling or something that hears this talk and then won't stop bearing their testimony yeah. at home. You're just like, oh, could you stop? <laughs> well, and I just think again, like as a parent, it's if I was in the Mormon church, it just puts so much pressure on you to not just enjoy life as a parent, but instead you're. I know how I would respond if I was a Mormon and I read this talk and I had a kid. I would think I wouldn't ever be able to just relax and chill with my kid. I would always think I need to fill it with time of like, I need to bear a testimony now because I have an extra 15 minutes. My kid's watching TV and I'm just chilling. So maybe I should take that opportunity to bear my testimony or should mm -hmm. we like read some scriptures? Should we pray more? Should we? I just think it, it takes it takes away that just nice bonding with your kid, like not thinking about those things. Absolutely. And when you're talking about church related things or your testimony all the time, that, that leaves less time to talk about um, your child and you know yeah. what they're doing. I mean, when they can talk, right. But just, it's, yeah, it's taking away that personal time that, that you should be having it's yeah <laughs> it's it's weird but I hadn't really thought about it that way because of course yeah. I'm not a parent yeah. so that's I like I like that you brought that up yeah I mean because also it even says in here he goes like quote brethren and sisters when was the last time you bore testimony to your eternal companion parents when was the last time you declared your witness to your children about the things you know to be true and children, when was the last time you shared your testimony with your parents and family? And again, it's just that like, I again, you're so busy. You're so busy when you're a parent. And not to say that you're not busy when you're when you don't have kids, but when you have kids, it's like and you're both working. Your time is so precious. Like mm -hmm. it is honestly the thing I value the most now. And it's so cliche and so corny to say it because I never thought I'd be that person, but it really is true. And I think about every 
like coming home from work and I have an hour before Rory goes to bed and it's like the thing I cherish like the most. I'm so excited about. I'm like, I have an hour. And then the thought of within that hour, if I was Mormon, I would need to prioritize having a prayer fit in for blessing the food, maybe mm-hmm. scripture study, and then plus a bedtime story. Or maybe I have to just say, right, you don't get to have a bedtime story. We're going to read like a children's version of the Book of Mormon story. And mm-hmm. that's their bedtime story. Then prayer again, like, mm-hmm. and then maybe I need to bury myself. Like all these things that would just be part of your routine instead of now, I have really precious moments of spending time just with my kid playing with him, hearing him laugh, like, and not to say that you can't do that as a Mormon family or Mormon parent, but it's just that idea of having that extra element of pressure that you mm-hmm. have to fit in when you have such limited time. As oh, a- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So then it says, um, we should remember that bearing a heartfelt testimony is only a beginning We need to bear testimony. We need to mean it. And most importantly, we need to consistently live it. We need to both declare and live our testimonies. The relationship between testimony and appropriate action is emphasized in the Savior's instruction to the saints in Kirtland. Quote, that which the Spirit testifies unto you, even so I would that you should do. Like, (laughs) it's just, okay, right. And then they also like he always, you know, of course, they do it with anything testimony, testimony related where it's like it's the truth. But it's so funny when they actually write it down, like it says, as we profess truth rather than admonish, exhort or simply share interesting experiences, we invite the Holy Ghost to confirm the verity of our words. The power of pure testimony does not come from sorry, does not come from sophisticated language or effective presentation. Rather, it is the result of revelation conveyed by a third member of the Godhead, even the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Even the Holy Ghost. Even the Holy Ghost. So you're not supposed to share interesting experiences. You're just supposed to say simply, I know the church is true. I know Joseph Smith was a prophet. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Just recite your brainwashing. Okay, because you're all just little robots believing the same thing. (laughs) Yep. And again, like, I know I just keep saying it, but I can't imagine, like, it's weird to me to think about it. And I guess because I I grew up in a not traditional Mormon family, so my mom would have never done this. But I can't imagine, like, coming home from school and my mom just being like, I just want to bear my testimony to you that I know (laughs) church is true. Like, you know what I mean? And I, and we joke about it, but I'm sure some families and some listeners like maybe have memories of shit yeah. like this where their parents would just bear their testimony at random times or constantly <laughs> in their life, which I just find bizarre. You're like, mom, I'm trying to play with my Legos. Could you not right <laughs> yeah, now? Exactly. <laughs> mom, I just want my peanut butter with apple. Please. Yeah. Can I just be left in peace? Um, Okay, suggestion number three, be consistent, which I, you know, when you first read it, I'm like, okay, fair enough. It's kind of like have a routine. I get that. Kids love a routine. I love a routine. But no, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) It says, so as our sons were growing up, 
Our family did what you have to what you have done and what you now do. We had regular family prayer, scripture study, and family home evening. I knew it. I yeah. knew it. <laughs> yep. So now we're entering to another level where it's like not only we talked about bearing your testimony, we kind of touched on scripture study, but this is like family prayer, scripture study, and family home evening. Mm-hmm. That's a mm-hmm. lot of your fucking time. It's a lot. a lot of your time. We say this often, but the Mormon church is very good at taking up so much of your time. So you have very little time left to think about anything else. Yeah. Yep. Exactly that. <laughs> so he says, quote, sometimes Sister Bednar and I wondered if our efforts to these spiritually essential things were worthwhile. Now and then verses of scripture were read amid outbursts such as, Quote, he's touching me. Make him stop looking at me. Mom, he's breathing my air. I was just doing a kid voice. <laughs> Sincere prayers occasionally were interrupted with giggling and poking. And with active, rambunctious boys, family home evening lessons did not always produce high levels of edification. At times, Sister Bednar and I were exasperated because the righteous habits we worked so hard to foster did not seem to yield immediately the spiritual results we wanted and expected. Your kids are just being kids. Exactly. Like, I read that the first time, and I was just like, but that's just kids being kids, and now you're taken away from their youth again. Like, you're taking away, like, just let them play. They don't want to hear about scripture verses, and I just... Right? Yeah, Yeah, no kid wants to sit there... Through family scripture study and then family prayer and family home evening when they probably have homework to do. But also, they're children. They want to play. (laughs) They just want to play. Exactly. And then they're being told, like, and when he says righteous habits, we work so hard to foster. I was like, oh, so brainwashing. That's Mm -hmm. what he means. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So then he goes. Today, if you could ask our adult sons what they remember about family prayer, scripture study, and family home evening, I believe I know how they would answer. They likely would not identify a particular prayer or a specific instance of scripture study or an especially meaningful family home evening lesson as a defining moment in their spiritual development. What they would say they remember is a family that were without as a family we were consistent. Okay, I think I think family time is important, but yes. I don't know. I mean, I do know why, but the Mormon church frames it as you need to have spiritual family time together. And we've said this before, too. Family home evening, great, but why not make it just you have dinner together and play a game or something? You don't need yeah. to focus it around the Mormon church and think that you're failing if you're not constantly talking about spiritual things. Yeah, completely. Like if, if, you know, family, because they say family is the most important and that's how a lot of people get converted to the Mormon church. And it's how my mom was converted. You know, they really preached to her the importance of family. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a really strong message and I agree. But then it also, as you said, comes with, you have to do a scripture study or 
a lesson and instead it should just be spend time with your family. And I remember even as a Mormon, I argued that because I didn't necessarily keep the Sabbath day holy, like how it was practiced in Utah, for example, Mm -hmm. Um, because my family would, if we had my brothers over on a Sunday and my mom made us lunch, sometimes we'd leave church early because it was like a 35 minute drive. So my mom would have to drive home, get lunch prepared. So we would often like skip Sunday school or Relief Society because ours was like, I can't remember what it was. Either way, we would skip the last hour and drive home. And then also my brothers would want to play football on a Sunday. And Mm -hmm. I would do that. And I never felt bad because I would argue that, you know, that to me was family time and that was important. And I remember saying that to like friends in Utah and Katie, you may know who I'm talking about. And they were just like, <laughs> no, that, that that's not like, that's still not okay. Like you're not supposed to do that. And I'm like, but I couldn't understand it because to me it right. was, but that's family time and they're not Mormon. So why, you know, it doesn't right. make sense for them. Exactly. And, um, I've, I've shared this before too. I've had similar experiences where we would be doing something on a, on a Sunday, or maybe I had to go get something for dinner from the store at, or, um, you'd watch like a football game or you'd go to a park to play kickball or something. And it was always with my family. And, but if I, like I had certain friends who were a lot more <laughs> uptight okay. about the keeping the Sabbath day holy thing and was like, well, that's a sin. And it's like, but I'm just doing a fun activity with my family. How can that be a sin? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, but right. Yeah. It's, it's always, yes, spend time with your family, but in these certain contexts, like don't go yeah. out on Sunday and make sure if you are doing stuff at home, a lot of it revolves around prayer and scripture and stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. Which I just, now I get it even more, you know, as a parent, like I just can't, it makes me sad and also incredibly relieved and grateful that and, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way to, to people who had kids as Mormons and then left. Um, I don't mean to take that away from your experience with your children at all. But I feel like with, with just my one kid, it makes me really sad to think about if I had him while I was a Mormon and how I, you know, if I could compare them side by side, it would make me really sad to think that I was focused, my intention or my attention was just elsewhere thinking about everything I needed to cram in to the day that was church related instead of just really enjoying the time I have with him and just soaking it up and just mm-hmm. thinking about him and that's it and the love mm-hmm. that I have for him and the excitement I have when I get to spend any time with him at all versus okay how do I teach him to be more Christ-like how do I teach <laughs> him to eventually know the importance of pain tithing you know what I mean like that kind of bullshit right imagine the extra guilt you would feel too if you didn't you know you were you weren't teaching that as quote like fast as you thought you were supposed to or something it's just another layer of guilt placed upon the parents yeah exactly exactly um okay so here we go I'll skip that part He goes, being consistent in our homes is important for another reason. Many of the Savior's harshest rebukes were directed to hypocrites. Jesus warned his disciples concerning the scribes and Pharisees. 
Do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. This strong admonition is sobering, even given the counsel to express love and show it and to bear testimony and live it and to be consistent. The hypocrisy in our lives is most readily discerned and causes the greatest destruction within our own homes. And children often are the most alert and sensitive when it comes to recognizing hypocrisy. (laughs) What I'm hearing is you're never going to be good enough. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, sorry. My dog's barking. (laughs) I've never heard Ella on the podcast, I don't think. I know. She just decided to make herself known. Hello, Ella. Hello, people. (laughs) She's like, here, here. I agree. I agree with everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, and also the hypocrisy. I'm like, what, what are they on about? The whole church is nothing but a hypocrite. Like everything that they teach. I know. I know. And and, yeah. So (laughs) if you do bear your testimony and then you don't go full on balls to the wall, (laughs) constantly, (laughs) constantly talking about church stuff, then you're a hypocrite. It's like, give them a break, man. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Too much. And then here's where, again, this whole talk was a bit like, it didn't make me angry, this one. It made me sad, I felt like, and just Mm -hmm. full of relief that I wasn't in the church when I had a kid so that I could raise him how I would want to. But then, then he just threw in this, his testimony. So it says testimony. And then this is where we're like, oh, here it comes. Because I was waiting for it the whole time in the talk. He goes, marriage between a man and a woman is Uh, ordained of God and the family is central to the creator's plan for the eternal destiny destiny of his children. That comes from the family, a proclamation to the world. Arf. 2004. Ugh, I hate it. So he says, for these and other internally important reasons, We should be more diligent and concerned at home. May every spouse, every child, and every parent be blessed to communicate and receive love, to bear and be edified by strong testimony, and to become more consistent in the seemingly small things that matter so much. (laughs) Your voice. (laughs) Uh, So, of course, they have to throw in the... Man and woman comment, the yep. hello homophobia comment, and exactly. uh, it it just had so much potential to be delightful in that first third, and then it just you have to add on all that extra bullshit, <laughs> all that pressure. I mean, parents already have so much fucking pressure, it, no matter if you're religious or not. And then you throw on this other layer where you have to be a perfect mom. You have to be a perfect spouse. You have to make sure your kids are doing everything perfect, making the right decisions. Like I can't imagine the level of stress that Mormon moms must have on their shoulders. Right. I know. I cannot. I cannot because I already have that mom guilt myself without any religion or without any expectation other than myself and what I think I should be doing and then if I had that plus Mormon expectations I would oh my god there's no way yeah huge huge shout out to 
those of you who had kids while you were Mormon and have since left, like that, I can't imagine how hard that is. It's so difficult. And you think, Katie, like, because you grew up, and this is a question I was going to ask you. Mm-hmm. So in that that whole talk, you know, they're talking about all being consistent and your kids will realize that and recognize it when you grow up and blah, blah, blah. You grew up Mormon, much more so than obviously me and my family. We didn't do family home meetings. We didn't do family scripture or prayer. But I'm assuming that you do or you did like mm-hmm. how when you think back on your memories as a kid growing up, is that something that's quite strong in your memories or like quite? Yeah, honestly, no. And so I think Bednar was out there on a limb when he said that, because what I remember is the quality time with my family. And we did do family prayer and family home evening and we did go to church and I, we did the mutual stuff. We did the church activities and all that. Um, but what I have the fond memories of is like going on vacations with my family or even just like playing outside or doing some sort of fun craft or something like that's what kind of floods my mind when I think back to my Mormon youth. And so maybe for some people they they remember that and but i i think there are much more quality things that help a child's development and fulfill their mem- like make them have those happy memories than scripture study <laughs> yeah definitely i completely agree um, but i think i think that's so interesting to hear and of course you know like you said maybe other people do have those memories but I, I was just curious because I'm like, okay, well, my family didn't do that, but maybe because your family did, that is something that you have core memories of. But it sounds like for you, it was just spending that quality time with your family. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily I've kind of, like, I've mentioned this a little bit before, but my family, um, they're all, they're all very Mormon, but they're, they're not, um, very judgy Mormons. And like I mentioned, we would like watch football games on Sunday and they would like, let me wear the occasional shorts that weren't down to my knee, you know, like, so I guess they were the more progressive Mormons. And so, um, it wasn't as like harped on about Mm -hmm. doing those things. Like if we missed a family home evening, it wasn't like the end of the world, you know, whereas some families, like it was, it was a really big deal. I I know someone that they had to go to early morning seminary and his dad would wake him up and make him put on a shirt and tie and go to seminary before school in like church clothes because it was prep for his mission. Oh Um, my God. Yeah. There are levels of Mormon families where like, I'm sure that's all that their childhood was, was church stuff. And that's really sad actually. (laughs) That's so sad. Yeah, I mean, because if you take this to heart, what what Bednar is saying, there's going to be so much church stuff just in your day to day to day life, which it already is, even for relaxed Mormons. But if you if you have if you're in that uptight Mormon family, who you're just not escaping it ever. No, not at all. And I think exactly that when I think about like my childhood and. At certain ages, of course, I remember things in the church and I remember 
going to church and the nursery songs, like we, you know, Katie and I yeah. always sing the primary songs, like we can still <laughs> yeah. them from being brainwashed, um, uh-huh. which is another thing I'm so, so hashtag thankful for that Rory is not going to have that brainwashing from a mm-hmm. young age where he's mm-hmm. like going to already have these songs memorized and well into his adulthood. Um, but then it's also like when I think about my teens, it's such a big chunk of my memory, which I also find quite sad because as a teen, I should have just been like going out and having fun and mm-hmm. experiencing all these new things. And I did a bit of it, but most of my memories are with like mutual going every Wednesday night, yeah. going to church every Sunday, waiting for the next like state conference dance, like that <laughs> kind of shit. I mean, of course I had a good balance of, like school and soccer and all of that stuff. But a lot of my memories are around church and being like having it drilled into my head about being chaste and virtuous and pure. And yeah. as a teenager being like so paranoid about all of that, cause I had no idea what it meant. And it was just a lot of pressure and anxiety and right. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, now that I'm thinking about it, definitely in my teen years, that's where it's more um, prevalent because for me, uh, growing up where I did, like almost everybody was Mormon. So it was like your day to day life. You just just everyone assumed everyone was Mormon and, you know, you go to seminary every school day and stuff. So that was a little bit more intense in the yeah. in the Mormon <laughs> memories but how um how lovely and relieving it must be that Rory won't have that sexual shame that no. we both had and the shame with your body and stuff that no. inherently comes with the Mormon church teaching you that sex is bad that masturbation is bad and that sex is only good if you're in a heterosexual marriage um yeah. So that's, I'm sure that's a big relief too, that you don't have to teach him that kind of stuff and that he doesn't have to deal with that. Exactly. Like it's such a release, a release, relief, um, <laughs> release, a relief. And, and even today I was talking to my colleagues about it and it didn't even hit me until afterwards how I would never be able to, to do this, much less talk about it with colleagues or with friends because I'd be like, Oh, I need to hide that. But I was telling them how much I love like some of my, like my, one of my favorite parts of the day is in the morning when I'm getting ready and I'm putting on my makeup and Rory's like playing on the ground and he goes, mama. And then I look up and he, he wants me to put like a little bit of like my makeup brush on his cheeks. Cause he sees oh, me. That's on makeup. So, so I like, you know, pretend to put like, Oh, I'm doing your eyeshadow now. Or I do my chapstick and I put on some like, chapstick on his lips and he goes like you know like it's so (laughs) cute because he loves doing anything that I do and I just want him to think everything is normal like there's nothing that he can't do because of certain gender roles or anything like that so I'm just like makes me feel like I could cry I know so precious so it's really sweet and I was saying that to my like oh it's such a cute thing I love it and then it kind of hit me actually when I was thinking about the episode on the way home where I'm like I would never do that as a Mormon because I would be like, oh, I'm teaching him that he's not being a boy. And like the gender roles are so strong. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. Oh, that, that that breaks my heart that that would be potentially that you wouldn't either you wouldn't do it or you wouldn't feel like you could share it or something. I know. Uh, yeah, that reminds me. Um, a shout out to our friend Dusty, who's on Not So yeah. Peter Priesthood podcast. She has two cute little boys and. Her youngest loves to wear like princess dresses and it's, it's so adorable. She shares it on social media. And I was just thinking how, if you know, that you're taught in the Mormon church that that's not okay. And that's yeah. awful. That's awful to not let a kid, a child play with what they want to play with or wear what they want to wear exactly. just because a church says there are two gender roles and the man does this and the woman does this. And it's like, no. No. no, 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 exactly. I absolutely love Dusty's content when she shares that because I think, yes, like, and I love that her little boy loves wearing a clip braid or like a wig it's as well. It's so I cute. It's this long, love. like, flowy, yeah, because it's a princess, it's princess hair. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I, I respect and love Dusty for, I mean, I think everyone should do that, but the fact that, like, She's ex-Mormon and she's like, yeah, this is my kid and I'm not, I, I just, I, it's crazy to think that there was ever a time where as a, a mom myself being like, I would tell my son, no, don't do that. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just mm-hmm. wild to even think that that's a, a thing that would have popped into my head. Yeah. It's such now, a different mind. It's a different yeah. mindset. Totally. Yeah. Ugh. All Ugh. I to say, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to bear my testimony that. <laughs> You just need to love your babies if you have them, whether they're human or pet or whatever. Oh, thank just you for the inclusivity. <laughs> right? Just love them. Let them be them. And that's yes. it. Like, and spend yeah. as much time, like, cherish your time with your loved ones. That's all exactly. that's important. That's exactly. it. Exactly. That's a great takeaway is just cherish and spend time with your loved ones and I'm happy that we all got out of a situation where it's just set up to make you feel like a failure and take so much of your time. So now we can spend that remaining time that we got back and that money that we're not spending anymore. We can spend that on our loved ones. Uh, This is so heartfelt. I love this episode. Thank you for preparing it. (laughs) You're welcome. I thought we'd do a little bit lighter this time. Usually I'm heavier on everything. Well, this was so wonderful. And thank you all for listening. Uh, That wraps it up. We'll be back next week. We'll be back. Bye. Bye.